morning, Moncton Wesleyan. How's everyone doing this morning? Great morning so far. We've had some baptisms. Are you excited about Christmas? Yeah, okay, good. That's good. Hard to believe it's almost here. Uh, good morning, and uh, let's open up our Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 20. Thank you, Connor, for reading so well the, uh, the story that we are going to dig into this morning from Matthew chapter 20, the parable of the vineyard. 1999, a Harvard professor named Daniel Simons performed a fascinating experiment. He gathered, maybe you've heard of this experiment, he gathered 200 Harvard students and he sat them down inside of a lecture hall with a piece of paper and a pen to watch a short video that he had made. Now, just prior to the watching of this particular video, two-minute video, Simon told his students that they would be watching a video of six people passing a basketball, or a couple basketballs actually, around in a small area. Three of the ball passers would be wearing white shirts, and three of the ball passers would be wearing black shirts. Simons told some of the viewers in that lecture hall to carefully count the number of times the white team touched the ball. The other students were told to count how many times the black team touched the ball. These were pretty straightforward directions given to a very high-functioning, very, very capable group of people. And so, as this short video began, Simons observed the 200 people, selected students, viewing what was actually going on, the six people passing a basketball around, and painstakingly counting the number of ball touches. One, two, three, four. What Simons did not tell his students is that 15 seconds into the video, a person dressed in a gorilla suit would walk directly through the circle of ball passes. So sure enough, you've just seen it there, 15 seconds in, some of you saw it at least, a big, hairy, black gorilla appears, walks directly through the ball passers, beats his or her chest, and then disappears. Immediately after the video ends, Simons, he stands up in his lecture hall, and he asks the 200 students to write down how many times the white and blue team, or black team, touched the ball. Simon then asked them to write down with a simply stated yes or no if they had seen anything unusual in the clip. Last question he asked was even more specific. The question was simply, did you see a big black gorilla anywhere in this video? Amazingly, 50% of Harvard's finest, I'm guessing 50% here, <laughs> Over 100 students that day said, no, black gorilla? What are you talking about? I, I didn't see any black gorilla. Well, what this experiment did is it confirmed Simon's suspicion that a close analysis of what we humans regularly experience revealed that we are unaware of many details in our environment. It reinforced that we're often oblivious to significant changes in our world due to what Simons called, 
and calls inattentional blindness. Missing key aspects of reality because we're focused on other things. Jesus' most talked about topic, the theme that he talked about more than anything else was the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, I want to suggest this morning, friends, calls us, confronts us with our inattentional blindness. Sum up every parable that Jesus talked about as it relates to the kingdom of God, and we might say this, that their stories calling us to pay attention. To pay attention. The kingdom of God is like many things, Jesus says. A farmer sowing seed. A man hunting treasure. A woman kneading dough. A fisherman casting nets. A man forgiven a debt. Virgins waiting for a bridegroom. Like Connor read earlier this morning, a landowner being generous. The kingdom of God is like seeds and yeast and pearls and fish and banquets and vineyards. It's so many different things that it's hard to say it's any one thing. It's seemingly random. It's hidden. It's surprising. It's disruptive. It begins small. It grows. You can receive and cultivate it. It's something of great value and it needs to be discovered. It's something that the enemy seeks to destroy. And because the kingdom of God is these myriad things, it requires us, friends, to be attentive. Because the kingdom of God is not always what we expect. And if we're not careful and attentive, we can easily miss it. We can easily miss it. The kingdom parable that uh, Connor read earlier is about a vineyard. And it's about several workers. And it's about a landowner. If you were listening there, early in the morning, as was the custom, several hopeful day workers, day laborers, they line up for work. And for some really, really lucky ones, a landowner offers them a daily wage, one denarius, it says. But then, this strange sequence of events follows. The landowner goes out again at nine, and then again at noon, and then again at three in the afternoon, and hires more laborers for a wage that was simply called whatever was right. <laughs> he even goes back one more time near the very, very end of the day, to find some late workers, and he hires them too. No salary negotiated this time. Then payment comes. And yet the wages are distributed in an illogical manner, beginning with the last and then ending with the first. Surprisingly, shock against shocks, those who barely worked up a sweat they actually receive a full day's wage. And when this happens, I can easily imagine in my mind, if I'm standing there, maybe you can too, the rest of the workers, they're chatting approvingly with visions of receiving a multiplied wet wage. But it doesn't happen. 
doesn't happen. Instead, each worker receives the very same wage, one denarius, about $150 in our contemporary context. Suddenly, the anticipated joy of the early arriving workers, it turns to grumbling. These last ones, they only worked one hour, and you've made them equal to those of us who have worked all day and sweated it out. That's not fair. Landowner says that he's done them no injustice. And furthermore, he reminds them that he can do with his resources as he pleases. Jesus concludes with a statement there in Matthew 20, verse 16, that drives home the point. He says, those who are last, finish it, will be, and those who are, will be last. Yeah. It's confession time uh, for me Moncton Wesley, and I will admit to you today that there is a part inside of me, probably a pretty significant part, if I'm honest, that is very frustrated by this particular story. Maybe I'm not alone uh, here this morning. You see, if, if your equality or your justice meter is anything like mine, uh, this whole story, it just seems unfair. It, uh, it tips the scales of human justice, wouldn't you say? See, our, our story here in Matthew 20, it seems unfair. Frankly, it's bad economics, really. In fact, in our North American society, it is rare for us to interpret this parable as good news. Make no mistake, this is, this is not the standard way to run a business, or a vineyard, or a church. Use the, the principles of this story as a source guide on labor relations, <laughs> and, and you'd better keep a resume handy, <laughs> because you might actually be out of a job. You see, like it or not, friends, our society is a society of as a society of earners, isn't it? We keep track of our hours worked and our tasks accomplished and the grades that we receive and our money that's invested. See, we spend a lot of time earning. We earn money and our vacation time and our grades and respect and our air miles. One could say that our culture is obsessed, really, with what we think we deserve. I wonder if sometimes that even overflows into our generosity. If we're honest, lurking in the background sometimes is this idea of bonuses and rewards. And so we tip our waiters, and we tip our waitresses who treat us really well and present us with nice meals. Or we put in a little extra when our boss is looking, expecting that we'll gain her attention and subsequently get what we really want. You see, even in our seemingly virtuous actions sometimes, 
there's strings attached. And when we don't get what we want, is it not commonplace for us to grumble? That's not fair. When perceived justice isn't served, to whom can we lodge a complaint? Where's the HR person? (laughs) You see, sometimes the kingdom of God doesn't seem fair doesn't make sense and if we're not attentive like the early workers we grumble not fair something inside of us rails against what we know to be true about the kingdom of God does it driven by a contemporary culture with a pervasive and an astute sense of fairness and equal opportunity, the kingdom of God doesn't make much sense sometimes. We just don't like it. It's offensive. It's not fair. And so we grumble. I grumble. (laughs) I should tell you that uh, something happened uh, to me while I was preparing for this particular message. Just like uh, Simon's inattentional blindness experiment, I was intent on studying this passage and getting this passage right. And so I scrutinized this thing, Matthew chapter 20. I looked it over. I was straining and uh, I was focusing and I was counting the ball touches, so to speak. One two, three, four, and then it hit me. Maybe I was missing the 300-pound gorilla in the room. Suddenly it dawned on me. I thought, Tapper, talk to myself like that, Tapper, (laughs) what makes you so sure you're one of the early workers in this story? I won't ask for a show of hands here this morning, but is it not our natural tendency to instinctively relate to the workers who showed up early in this story? Wonder how many of us uh, heard that story this morning or have read this narrative in the past and think, man, that, that guy who showed up last, that's me. That, that, that's absolutely me. I'm the least deserving one. I'm that guy who is over-appreciated. <laughs> no. My, my guess this morning is that most of us instinctively identify with the aggrieved workers, don't we? Friends, the kingdom of God calls us to pay attention or we miss it. We miss it. Suddenly I realized how uncareful and inattentive I had actually been. And I understood, maybe for the first time, that this story that we've just read here this morning, this story is not primarily uh, a story about me and you. First and foremost, this is a story this morning about a generous God and his kingdom. 
Friends, this is a story, catch this, that highlights God's generosity. You see, kingdom generosity, it is the real deal. It's, it, it's the real deal, my friends. And it, it doesn't work on a grade or a bonus system. And, and it's not granted in response to the goodness within the recipient. It's not a reward. It's not a reward. And our story reminds us that God's kingdom generosity, it doesn't always follow the strict tenets of human equality and justice, at least as we understand them. No, the story that we've just read is about a landowner. A landowner. It's a radically landowner or owner-centered story. Catch it. It's about his generosity. Not in response of anything that you and I have done, but as it relates to the landowner's rights and nature. Kingdom generosity. Are you with me this morning? And then it finally struck me that it's actually one of the divine members of the Trinity who is actually telling this story in Matthew chapter 20. I want you to think about this along with me for a few moments. This is God talking about himself in this passage. It's Jesus, the Son, delighting in the Father, the landowner, as the story is being told. I want you to think about that for a few minutes. That's a really, really cool thought. Jesus Christ the only one who could perfectly live holiness in human form, joyfully recounting a tale of the Father's generosity to the less deserving. The very same Jesus who is about to go to a cross as the sinless sacrifice for whoever might receive his grace, yourself included. See, if if anyone, Jesus is among the first workers. The one who would work all day and, and bear the heat and do the heavy lifting of holiness so that our bodies and the burden that we feel would, not, would be lifted. Jesus is the one who earns the reward of which we fall short. And suddenly, we realize who we are in the midst of this amazing landowner, in the midst of this upside-down kingdom story. And your response and my response, our response, gratitude. Gratitude. Gratitude to be offered grace so late in the day and awed by the generosity of God. Are you with me this morning? Amen. If you uh, followed the last few Winter Olympics, you might recognize the name Alexander Bilodeau. Alexandre Bilodeau, francophones. That's the best I can do, I'm sorry. <laughs> Growing up as a, as a kid in Montreal, Alex, he started out actually playing hockey, but turns out his mom wasn't all that keen in trucking uh, the three kids in that family all over the universe. 
And so Alex's mom encouraged her son to uh, give skiing a try. Any skiers out here this morning? It's hard to think about skiing. We've got a few skiers. That's good. Yeah. Turns out that skiing was just the thing for Mr. Alex. Today, Alex uh, Billado is a two-time Olympic gold medalist in men's ski moguls. Many of you would remember that Alex uh, was the first Canadian to win a gold medal at uh, an Olympic game held in Canada in 2010, and the very first Canadian to defend a gold medal in any freestyle skiing event in 2014 in Sochi. Clearly, Alex worked hard, and he practiced, and he has earned some really incredible rewards. But anyone who uh, knows anything about this particular guy knows that there is, uh, there's something more. If you watched either of his uh, winning Olympic runs there in 2010 and 2014, you would know that there is something else that is really rather unique about his family. Alex C. has an older brother named Frederick. And Frederick has cerebral palsy. And when Frederick was uh, diagnosed at a very young age, his parents were told that he would probably lose his ability to walk by the time that he was uh, 12 years old. Unlike his brother, Frederick would not likely be a premier inter international athlete, less likely to earn an Olympic medal. He'd have little chance at such glory. But there Frederick was uh, in Vancouver and in Sochi, smiling like his face <laughs> was going to split, proudly holding up the Canadian flag with his brother in an area reserved only for Olympic skiers. Now I suppose <laughs> that if you are a total control and grumbling rule freak this morning, you might disapprove of this particular picture. See, there's a security barrier in the background of that particular picture, and only athletes and coaches and qualified event personnel were su supposed to go beyond that. But when big brother Alex, the, the champion, pulled his brother over the barrier, no one complained. <laughs> and and no, one, no one grumbled. How, how, how could they? It's one of the most heartwarming images of the recent Winter Games. Friends, I want you to think about it. How much more? Ought our hearts be warmed when we realize Christian for 60 years or six days or six hours that we've been pulled over a barrier to? See, church, we could never have earned the reward that's been offered to us. We were disabled in the area of holiness since birth not expected to achieve much at all. But there is one, Jesus, who would work all day and would bear the heat and, and would let his body take the pain of the, this labor 
He's the one who has what it takes to truly earn the reward of which we could only wish. And he delights to bring us to where he is. Amen? Amen. Closing, we're about to sing a song, I think, that says it really well. One of the lines says, Our sin was great. God's love was greater. Isn't that a great line? Our sin was great. God's love was greater. In another place, it says, Jesus was the one with, was one with the Father, Lord Most High, the landowner. And yet Jesus, name above all names, brought heaven, brought the kingdom, brought grace down to you and to me. It doesn't matter who you are this morning. That grace is for you, it's for me, and it's for all of us. That's good news. Do you see what's been going on all along in this story? Maybe you've missed it. Maybe you've been oblivious to it. See, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, friends, you and I can never earn our way in by our hard work or by our own efforts or by our own merit or based on what we think or what we deserve. Instead, we are called to identify with the latecomers in this story who receive the kingdom generosity of a generous king. Name above all names. Friends, receive that grace today. Don't miss it. God bless you.